Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. We had a so, so, so weekend at the box office with another Santa movie opening, but we have a lot of numbers to break down there, as well as this story that you may have seen about Netflix being dethroned as the number one streaming service in the U.S. I've got some follow-up on that, but before we get to that, I want to thank my partner here on the show, as always, Carbon Health. We are in the midst of a pretty nasty cold and flu season, and if you're in need of your flu shot or an updated COVID-19 booster, Carbon Health offers those services, as well as so many other healthcare services that Carbon Health provides. You can go in the Carbon Health app right now to see if there is a location near you, or you can use the app for virtual appointments in case you can't make it to an office or there's not one nearby. Carbon Health also keeps walk-in appointments every day because they understand that not everybody can schedule around their healthcare needs. I'm so happy to be paired up with Carbon Health because I believe in their mission, which is to bring healthcare to as many people as possible as affordably as possible, and especially right now when so many people are getting sick because of this time of year and all the other factors, it's a great resource to have. So thank you as always to Carbon Health for being my partner here on the show. And let's look at the top 10 for this past weekend at the box office. And for a fourth consecutive week, Black Panther Wakanda Forever stays at the number one spot. It had a big surge for the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, but that means that we saw a bigger than average drop, a 61.5% drop from last weekend, the holiday weekend, for a $17.5 million total. More on how it's doing in just a few moments. Violent Night starring David Harbour as a very angry Santa Claus and a movie that I really, really enjoyed actually outperformed expectations a little bit, coming in second place with $13.4 million. It was projected to be closer to $12 million, so obviously some word of mouth working for it there. We'll see how it does in the weeks ahead. Strange World in its second week stays in third place, but has a 58.2% drop, not great for a family film, and a total of just over $5 million. We talked at length about the box office disaster that this film was on last week's show. It has not done anything in its second week uh, to correct that misperception. This is going to be a huge, probably $100 million plus money loser for Disney. Not what they were looking for this holiday season. In fourth place, actually moving up one spot is The Menu, dropping off 36.6% in its third week, so it seems like there's a little bit of word of mouth working on that movie, a $3.4 million total. Slipping to fifth place in its second week is Devotion, a 53.8% drop for a total of just over $2.7 million. So let's talk first of all about Violent Night. As I mentioned, David Harbour stars as Santa Claus. I had a little fun with my Violent Night review here on the channel. If you want to see that, there's a little card up there in the corner that you can click. But how did it stack up against other movies featuring the real deal Santa Claus? Well, let's take a look. You know I like to put together weird charts. So these were the biggest Santa movie openings. So movies featuring the real Santa Claus, not just some faker dressed as Santa Claus. And at number one is Will Ferrell's Elf, one of the newest movies to be inducted into the holiday canon. But it is stuck there forever with a $31.1 million opening almost two decades ago. Hard to believe. The Santa Claus 2 is at number two with a $29 million opening, followed by the animated film Rise of the Guardians, which, while maybe not necessarily a Christmas film, does indeed star Santa Claus, $23.7 million. The Polar Express from the early 2000s, straight out of the uncanny valley, is at number four with a $23.3 million total. And then at number five, the Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause, with $19.5 million. But Santa Claus has been doing his job for a long time, and they've been putting out Santa Claus movies for a long time. So you know what I like to do to try to give you a better perspective on history? That's right, adjust for inflation. And when we adjust for inflation, the list actually stays pretty much the same. Elf is at number one with an adjusted opening total of $50.3 million. Then the Santa Claus 2 remains at number two with a total of $48 million. The only new film on this list is the original Tim Allen movie, The Santa Claus, which opened 
back in 1994. It comes in at number three with an adjusted total of $38.6 million. The Polar Express stays at number four with $36.7 million, and Rise of the Guardian slips to number five with $30.8 million. So while Violet Knight couldn't get there in the elite top five, it actually did pretty well. I think it was the top 10 movie as far as Santa openings go. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Obviously not your traditional Christmas movie, but if you want to go have a lot of fun with the Christmas iconography and the character of Santa Claus, I highly recommend it. Something else I want to do, of course, is to check and see what's going on with Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And I did a chart last week seeing how it measured up against the rest of the MCU after 17 days of release. Well, let's see how it's doing after 24 days of release. And you can see that it is still, as of right now, the seventh highest grossing film in the MCU at this point in its release cycle, trailing only Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man No Way Home, Infinity War, Black Panther, The Avengers, and Avengers Age of Ultron. It's just ahead of Civil War, ahead of Multiverse of Madness, Iron Man 3, amongst other titles. But I did get one comment in particular that just said, well, Dan, you can't look at a chart like that without adjusting for inflation, because that's how you really get perspective on things. And I just... Flames on the side of my face. Like, I don't know that. Like, I don't sit here and say that every single week when I adjust for inflation on these charts. And of course, the one chart, or one of the few charts that I choose not to do that on, because last week was a long show, I get a lecture on adjusting for inflation. So yes, let's adjust these numbers for inflation. And as you can see, yes, it does bump Black Panther Wakanda Forever down a few notches instead of the seventh highest grossing Marvel film at this point in its release cycle. It is the 11th highest grossing Marvel film, roughly equivalent to what Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Spider-Man Far From Home are doing 24 days into their releases. So I will acknowledge that instead of being a top 10 highest grossing MCU film at this point in this release, it is now just one of the most successful MCU films of all time through 24 days, equivalent with a lot of other successful MCU films. Let's look at the rest of the top 10. At number six is the film I Heard the Bells, which is the true story of the Christmas Carol that was penned by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the debut feature from Sight and Sound Films. They've largely done stuff uh, direct to streaming. Uh, so that's a just outside the top five debut for Sight and Sound Films. At number seven in its seventh week is Black Adam with a 51.9% drop and a $1.5 million total. The Fablemans in week four drops 43.9% for a $1.2 million total, followed by Bones and all in its third week with $1.1 million. And then at number 10, after seven weeks, Ticket to Paradise still hanging around a 54.1% drop with a total just over $854,000. Speaking of Black Adam, as it remains in the top 10, there was a story that appeared in Variety uh, that I saw and that several other people also sent to me talking about the losses that Black Adam was likely to take in the theatrical market. This is a story from Variety that reported that it will be a money loser in the theatrical window to the tune of 50 to $100 million. But Warner Brothers is pushing back on that projection saying that the film will break even theatrically and turn a profit with home viewing revenue streams like rentals and any pay window that Black Adam may be able to secure despite appearing initially on HBO Max. Still, when you look at all of the receipts that Black Adam is likely to total up worldwide, it's not an incredibly impressive performance and I think that it is somewhat likely uh, that it's going to lose money in the theatrical window. I think that it is likely to perhaps bring money in eventually because the margin is thin enough, but I'm sure a lot of people will say, well, Dan, you were wrong because you were saying that Black Adam was a hit. No. I said that Black Adam, I think, had a good opening considering 
the reviews that it got. I think that the buzz and the word of mouth defied that bad buzz from the critics and was able to deliver a good opening. But I always said it is a marathon, not a sprint box office wise. I was very curious to see how Black Adam would do, for example, in the Thanksgiving holiday window, if it would still have some life left. And it largely didn't have a lot of life left as almost nothing at the box office other than new movies have had life in that back half of the top 10. So yeah, when you look at the end result, it does look like Black Adam, while not at the disaster that many people thought it could be is certainly not going to be remembered for an exceptional box office performance. It may be one of those movies that doesn't do so great in theaters, but perhaps sets up the universe to do better later on down the line. Listen, you can think I'm wrong about the opening if you think that it should have been higher, whatever. This is a show that is based in numbers, but my analysis of that numbers, some of it is based on my interpretation or what I think about it. So if you have a different interpretation, that's fine. But again, this is a case where you have to wait and look at the whole picture. We see the whole picture on Black Adam, and it doesn't look like it had the back half that it would have needed in order to elevate it above what I still think was a pretty impressive performance, given the factors that were working against it. Dropping out of the top 10 this last week were Glass Onion and Knives Out Story, only because Netflix pulled it from theaters after a one-week run, and then The Chosen Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2, after just two weeks. Netflix must just hate money. I, I thought that maybe they would see how it did last weekend and perhaps extend the run by a week, but they held true to their word, and they pulled the movie after one week. I had so many people reach out to me on social media saying, I tried to go see Glass Onion, I was looking for times, and it was gone from theaters. I know that Netflix is giving their reasons for why they're doing what they're doing with Glass Onion. I still don't understand them. I still don't understand why you would release it in theaters, but not in enough theaters to make a big box office impact. I still don't understand why, if you're going to put it in limited release, that you only do it for one week so that people that couldn't find it in that first week definitely won't be able to find it in the second week. Nothing about this model makes sense to me. I am I'm mystified by the theatrical model that they're showing here with Glass Onion, because I honestly do believe that even if you gave this movie a wide theatrical release, I'm saying 2,000 plus theaters for two weeks, you would still have a good number of people that didn't go out to the theater to see it or wanted to watch it again that would go and see it on your streaming service. This whole thing with exclusivity with Netflix, with the theatrical window, I think is an incredibly misguided strategy, and it's not exactly like they're doing great. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Let's look at what I like to call the road to recovery. It's the 2015 through 2019 average, basically the pre-pandemic box office, last year's box office, and then this year's. And you see that green line again, we are below the box office performance of where we were last year. Again, largely because for weeks at a time now, including this upcoming week, studios are just abandoning theaters. They're either not releasing movies, they're not releasing high profile movies, or in the case of Disney, they are releasing movies that they just don't market very well. Regardless, the box office is not having the best end of 2022 We'll see how Avatar The Way of Water shapes things up starting next weekend. Uh, but yeah, a, a not so great end to what was actually the first half of the year, a pretty good recovery for the 2022 box office. Let's look at the top movies per theater for this past weekend. At number one, according to some sources, there are always conflicting sources for some reason with these movies, was Framing Agnes, which had a reported $28,214 in one theater. This is a documentary out of Canada that played the Sundance 
Film Festival. At number two, a movie that opened in six theaters called Spoiler Alert, an adaptation uh, of a novel starring uh, Jim Parsons with $13,831 per theater in six theaters. The Polish film EO, which is really making a push for an Oscar nomination for Best International Feature, $4,667 in six theaters. And then the two major wide releases, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, bringing in $4,500 in each of its 3,855 theaters, and Violent Night, bringing in $3,653 in each of its 3,682 theaters. It should be noted, by the way, that Violent Night reportedly had a budget around $15 million, so a $13 million debut, not so shabby. The top five films in limited release, meaning 1,000 theaters or fewer. At number one is The Fablemans, which is still playing in limited release in just 638 theaters for a $1.2 million total. I guess the strategy theatrically on that movie is to sap any interest that people might have before never releasing it wide. Again, don't understand the strategy on this film. At number two is a film out of India. It's a Telugu language film called Hit the Second Case, which brought in $600,000 in just 280 theaters. It's a crime movie that, you guessed it, is the second in the franchise. At number three is the quintessential quintuplets movie playing in 910 theaters and bringing in just over $500,000. This is a follow-up to the TV series, which is based on the manga of the same name. Drishyam 2, which was not on the chart, I don't think, last week, maybe because we didn't have numbers in time, is back on the chart this week with $314,000 playing in just 300 theaters and also playing in just over 300 theaters is the Banshees of Sharon, still on the chart after seven weeks, bringing in just over $235,000. $5,000. It'll be interesting as we get deep into award season if they will re-expand that movie if it should get major nominations as is expected. Looking at the limited release top 10 grocers, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery had an estimated total. Netflix is not reporting box office totals because why would they? A total of $15 million estimated, making it the top limited release film of 2022 despite only playing for one week. The Banshees of Sharon is at number two with $8.2 million, followed by Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva at $7.8 million. BTS Permission to Dance is at number four. KGF Chapter 2 is at number five. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is at number six. Terrifier 2 is at number seven, at least the portion of its release where it was playing in limited release. A new movie at number eight, The Fablemans, which has now brought in $5.5 million. That gets it on the limited release top 10, although a Steven Spielberg movie that's been out for a month and has made $5.5 million. That's pretty crazy. Orphan First Kills at number nine, dropping down one spot from last week. Pony and Selvin drops down one spot to number 10 and then dropping out of the top 10 is the David Bowie documentary Moon Age Daydream itself making a big push for a nomination in the documentary category this year. And looking at the 2022 domestic fall holiday box office, this is everything post Labor Day. Black Panther Wakanda Forever obviously remaining number one. We'll see if Avatar The Way of Water is enough to dethrone that movie from the top spot. $393.6 million total. Black Adams at number two with its $165 million total, followed by Smile, the last film so far this fall slash holiday season to break $100 million, $105.7 million. The Woman King is at number four. Ticket to Paradise is at number five. Halloween Ends is at number six lyle lyle crocodile slowly has crawled past don't worry darling it's now at number seven with 45.7 million dollars don't worry darling is at number eight with 45.3 million dollars barbarian remains at number nine with 40.8 million dollars and the only small victory that strange world can claim is that it has for at least one week crawled onto the top 10 chart for this season 25.6 million dollars it will be knocked out of that spot very soon we'll see how violent night does this week and going into next weekend and surely by avatar the way of water but it spends a week on some kind of a top 10 chart 
$25.6 million. That knocks out the re-release of Avatar, which came out just a few weeks ago. We will continue our breakdown in just a moment, but before we move on, I want to thank one of the sponsors for today's video, Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile because when you switch to Mint and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home so you don't have to get out in that holiday traffic while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. I've been using Mint Mobile since long before this holiday deal was a thing, and this is the perfect time to switch because you're already saving money over what you're probably paying with your current wireless provider. And think about all of those extra stocking stuffers that another three months free will help you buy. All plans come with unlimited talk and text with high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network, and you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. Or if you need a new device for a limited time, you can get six months of free service when you buy a select device and plan. For a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash Merle. That's mintmobile.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com. Now, usually we address streaming later on in the show, but there was a big story that's gotten a lot of traction that came out a few days ago that I wanted to kind of break down a little bit earlier. And that was a report that Prime Video from Amazon has displaced Netflix as the number one streaming service domestically. This is according to a release from Parks Associates, which is a firm that has analyzed the media industry for a very long time, but it's a little more complicated than you may think. So let's look first of all at the data, and it wasn't really data, it was a list that was released by Parks Associates. And you can see here, these were the top 10 subscription video services from 2019 through 2022. Netflix has been number one each of those years, except for this year, Prime Video moves up to number one, Netflix moves down to number two, and then according to Parks Associates, Hulu has moved up to number three, Disney Plus has moved down one spot to number four, HBO Max is at number five, ESPN Plus is at number six, Paramount Plus is at number seven, Apple TV Plus is at number eight, Peacock is at number nine and stars is at number 10. And I saw a lot of people expressing surprise saying, this is huge news. How could this happen? How could Netflix have been supplanted by Prime Video, especially when Prime Video doesn't have nearly as many buzzy shows as Netflix does. I mean, you had Rings of Power, which just ended, which we've seen here on the show, got a, a good amount of viewership. We don't quite know exactly how much, but a good amount. Uh, the Boys is a show that's on Prime Video, which is a, a buzzy show online, but again, doesn't draw the same numbers as something like A Stranger Things or a lot of the other shows that you see on Netflix. And so this has a lot of people asking, well, how could this happen? And it's a complicated answer because I'm actually waiting to see what Parks Associates says because we don't actually know right now how this could happen. And the reason is that Amazon doesn't report how many of its customers are using Prime Video. There is a Prime Video standalone service that's available, although I couldn't find any numbers reported even on how many people use that. But Prime Video is part of an entire package that you get with Amazon Prime. And there are a lot of people who have Prime that use it for free shipping and stuff like that that never even touch Prime Video. And so that's the question that is not answered in Parks Associates report. They say that they're going to present their findings at a conference next week, and I will be very anxiously looking to see how they made this determination. But that's what makes this so complicated. Let's look at the latest numbers that we do know as far as numbers of subscribers in the United States, domestic paid subscribers. I believe this also includes Canada. Now again, Prime Video, as far as my research goes, has never reported an actual subscriber number. They just say we have X amount of Prime users 
users. As far as we know right now, Netflix has 73.4 million domestic paid subscribers followed by HBO Max and HBO. So there's a little bit of cheating going on there with 48.6 million, Hulu with 47.2 million, Disney Plus with 46.4 million, and then ESPN Plus with 24.3 million. And I'm sure that all of those services are helped by the package that bundles all three together. So Hulu and Disney Plus basically pretty close as far as domestic paid subscribers. But that's just part of the number as well, because a lot of people also saying like, well, how could Prime Video have dethroned Netflix worldwide? No, this is domestic. When we look at what we know as far as the worldwide numbers, again, we don't really quite know the story with Prime Video. Netflix is at number one worldwide in paid subscribers with 223 million, according to the latest reported numbers that I can find. Prime Video's reported, again, that they have 200 million Prime users worldwide but have not disclosed in any way, shape, or form how many of those Prime users actually watch Prime Video. So that's a big asterisk there. Disney Plus internationally, even bigger than it is domestically, 164 million global subscribers to Disney Plus. HBO and HBO Max reporting 76.8 million worldwide paid subscribers, followed by Hulu at 47.2. That's a domestic service, so that's not international. Paramount Plus at 46 million paid subscribers worldwide. Stars at 37.3 million. Apple TV Plus, which again, doesn't release numbers. I, I could only find what is an estimated number of 25 million subscribers paid worldwide. ESPN Plus at 24.3. That's another largely domestic service. And then Peacock, which is reported 18 million paid subscribers worldwide. So we have here a big splashy headline about Prime Video surpassing Netflix, but we don't yet have that data to back it up. And I would imagine because as I said, Parks Associates have been, has been doing this for a long time. They had some methodology for how they, in their analysis, could figure out how many users were actually using Prime Video because that's a pretty big projection to make, to say that Netflix, which has been the king of streaming, uh, in the United States for so long has been dethroned. So this is something where I'm not saying it's not true, but I am saying that we don't yet know how that conclusion was made. And so stay tuned. I will be looking at this uh, presentation. I don't know if they'll be presenting it or showing it online, but I'm sure that the results will be reported upon. So I will be looking at what the results were from this conference, how they came to this determination. But it does seem like there is a good potential that Netflix has been dethroned. And even if they haven't been, even if these numbers are fuzzy, or if the analysis is flawed, the fact that it's close enough for somebody to make this determination is yet another wake-up call for Netflix that the, the Goliath is no longer invincible. And they need to really seriously look at their strategies, at their business practices, et cetera, because people are catching up to them. And it's something that we've seen in the streaming world uh, for the past really year to two years is this sort of hubris of we've got it all figured out. Well, the real world is now coming in uh, with a pretty hard crash. So we will see what happens. But, you know, I'm not going to say no, but I'm also not going to say I know exactly how this was done. Stay tuned because I'm going to be very anxious to see what Parks Associates has to say in the near future. Let's look at the top five films outside of the domestic marketplace. So this is everywhere outside of the United States and Canada. At number one is Black Panther Wakanda Forever with $20.2 million. The first slam dunk is at number two. Now, I had to actually do some digging into the Japanese box office, and it's because of the number five film, which I'll talk about in just a moment. But a reported $9.5 million debut for the film, the first slam dunk based on the manga called Slam Dunk. Uh, more on the Japanese. 
Japanese box office in just a moment. At number three is another film from Japan, One Piece Film Red, but this is due to its opening in the Chinese market, so that's why it's there at number three. Violent Night is at number four, and then number five is a movie that several of you have asked me about, Suzumi no Tojimari, which has done very well at the Japanese box office, and indeed should have been on this chart for the past couple weeks. It's director Makoto Shinkai's follow-up to Weathering With You and Your Name, and really the only reason that it wasn't included in these charts is I do as much research as I can, and I have several sources that I look at for international numbers, but the Japanese box office numbers were not widely reported in the various sources that I look at. I look at the trades, I look at Comscore. That movie was not listed in any of those numbers. It's the same problem that I have with the Indian box office, which is it's very tough to find real-time numbers from the Indian box office. However, in doing research for this week, I have found a couple of sources that I think will be able to keep me updated on the Japanese box office, so hopefully there won't be oversights like this in the future. But this just goes to show you how difficult it is to get a picture of the global box office, especially when not everybody's reporting numbers the same way that we do here in the United States, where you have an estimate on Friday, on Saturday, on Monday, you've got final numbers. It's a much different process in lots of different parts of the world. So a lesson for me, Suzume no Tojimari should have been on this list. It's made about $50 million in Japan so far, so a big hit over there. And as always, I will do my best to make improvements to make this show as complete a picture as I can make it of what the actual box office results are. When you take the international totals, you combine them with the domestic totals, we get our top five movies worldwide. Black Panther, number one worldwide again, with another $37.7 million. Violent Night takes the number two spot with a $20.5 million worldwide total. Strange World comes in at number three with $10.4 million. Not much consolation there. The first slam dunk is at number four with a 9.5 million. Again, that's an unconfirmed total. And then One Piece Film Red at number five with just over $9 million total. Let's take a look at the 2022 domestic box office totals. And I had to unfreeze one of these movies because Top Gun Maverick decided to come back and make another run at it. Uh, it actually didn't make a huge splash. It finished outside the top 10, but it takes its domestic total up to $717.7 million. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Magic is now at number two with $411.3 million, although it's very likely that by next week, Black Panther Wakanda Forever will eclipse it and become the second highest grossing film of the year. It moves up three spots from last week to number three on the chart. Jurassic World Dominion drops down one spot to number four. Now that it has beaten the Batman at the box office, Minions The Rise of Gru has now wrapped up its box office run at $369.5 million. It drops one spot to number five. The Batman drops out of the top five to number six with $360 $69.3 million. Thor Love and Thunder stays at number seven. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 stays at number eight. Black Adam stays at number nine. And Elvis stays at number 10. These are the top 10 movies worldwide in 2022. Top Gun Maverick again adding to its gross. It could, uh, I don't know. We're, it's trying to get to $1.5 billion. We'll see if it does that. It's currently at $1.487 billion. Jurassic World Dominion at number two. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness at number three. Minions The Rise of Gru at number four. The Batman at number five, Thor Love and Thunder at number six, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is at number seven, although it's making a play uh, to soon break into the top five. It's only about $38 million behind the Batman, which would get it into the top five for the year. The Battle of Lake Changjin 2 is at number eight, Moon Man is at number nine, and Fantastic Beasts The Secrets of Dumbledore is still at number 10 with $405.1 million. This is the part of the show where I like to not only take a look at a weekend from Box Office Pass, but also pay tribute to people from the entertainment industry 
industry who have passed away. Just some, I can never mention everybody here on the show. And it's actually a very, sadly, a very varied list this week. Several familiar names and faces to so many people for different reasons. The first name I wanted to bring up is Bob McGrath. Bob McGrath was for decades a fixture on the kids' TV show Sesame Street. When Sesame Street premiered in 1969, Bob McGrath was there. He actually sang the theme song initially. He was on Sesame Street for nearly 50 more years. Sesame Street might not be as prevalent today, but it was a bedrock part of children's television for generations, including mine. And Bob was there until the show transitioned to HBO in the mid-2010s. Another person whose name you may not be familiar with is Julia Reichert, who is a key figure in American documentary filmmaking. Her movie Growing Up Female is considered a landmark film in the women's movement in feminist film and was added to the National Film Registry in 2011. Reichert was a four-time Oscar nominee. She won recently in 2020 for the film American Factory. She also won two Emmy Awards and was a college professor for nearly three decades, counting among her students Emmy-winning producer Eric Bork, who won Emmys for From the Earth to the Moon and Band of Brothers, and also Hannah Beachler, who made his as the first black nominee and winner of the Academy Award for Best Production Design for her work on Black Panther. It's rare to find somebody who's able to impact the world so profoundly as both a filmmaker and a teacher, but Julia Reichert was able to do both. Another name that you may not instantly recognize, but someone whose face is a fixture at Christmas is Clarence Gilliard Jr., who played, among many other roles, Theo, Hans Gruber's tech wizard in Die Hard, which is a holiday favorite. Clarence Gilliard Jr. also appeared as Sundown in Top Gun. He was a series regular on the later seasons of Matlock starring Andy Griffith. He was on the show Walker, Texas Ranger with Chuck Norris, among many others. Gilliard actually follows several other actors in the Die Hard cast who have passed away, including Paul Gleason, Alexander Godunov, James Shigeta, and of course, Alan Rickman. He is such a great part of Die Hard, which is a movie that I watch nearly every holiday season, and it's becoming more and more bittersweet as the people that made that movie great are slowly passing away in the case of Bruce Willis uh, retiring uh, from acting uh, but that movie will live on forever it, it will truly be a die hard movie and the final name I wanted to bring up because this broke as I was preparing to tape this week's show is the death of Kirstie Alley her death was unexpected reportedly she was diagnosed with cancer not too long ago she broke through in 1982 Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan as Savick an ambitious Vulcan lieutenant as a Star Trek fan I think I knew her from that first and foremost but her her role as Rebecca on the sitcom Cheers launched her to megastardom and an Emmy win for her performance on that show. She also starred in the popular Look Who's Talking movies with John Travolta and had a top 10 TV show as part of NBC's must-see TV lineup with the show Veronica's Closet, which ran for three seasons. To be honest, I rarely agreed with pretty much anything that Kirstie Alley said off-camera, but her impact on TV and film in the 80s and 90s is undeniable. And as we look at the legacy of all these people and other people like Christine McVie from Fleetwood Mac, that passed away just this past week. Of course, my thoughts go out to their friends, families, and fans. Each of these people will leave in their own way a footprint in the world of entertainment that will not be soon forgotten. Let's take a look now at a weekend from Box Office Pass, and I'm going back to November 29th through December 1st, 2002, the 48th weekend of the year, the tail end, I believe, of the Thanksgiving holiday, and this was the relative strength of the box office back then. In its third week at number one, was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets with $32.1 million, basically filling the same role that Wakanda Forever did this past Thanksgiving weekend, where you have a legacy blockbuster film that's still performing strong, but then this is where we were missing out, really. And second place was Die Another 
other day, the last Pierce Brosnan James Bond film in its second week, running a strong number two with $31 million. In third place, The Santa Claus 2 starring Tim Allen, which had actually opened closer to Halloween with $12.1 million. And I think Disney did that so it wouldn't cannibalize the box office of Treasure Planet. But Treasure Planet was very similar to Strange World. It was a huge underperforming film for Disney. Just a $12 million total in its first three-day weekend of release. And I actually saw a lot of comparisons to Treasure Planet when Strange World came out. And then at number five, another holiday film, one of the few Hanukkah-based movies, Eight Crazy Nights, an animated film brought to you by Adam Sandler. That opened in fifth place at $9.4 million. But as you know, I like to do, it's been a long 20 years, so we're going to hit the inflation button on this weekend box office chart and we will see that Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets translates to today a 53.2 million dollar third weekend die another day 51.3 million dollars in its second weekend the Santa Claus 2 would have come in just over 20 million dollars just ahead of Treasure Planet which also would have come in around 20 million dollars and then eight crazy nights at number five with 15.6 million dollars so we are just missing that relative strength of the box office this last really six months we can get one movie here and there that does great numbers but the rest of the box Box office is struggling to catch up and spoiler alert that's not going to change anytime soon we'll take a look in just a few minutes at what the upcoming theatrical release schedule looks like before we move on i want to thank another one of our sponsors this week masterclass with Masterclass, you can dive deep into your area of interest with some of the world's best minds, anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Next week, we're getting Avatar The Way of Water, the latest film from James Cameron. And on Masterclass, you can sit down today and learn about filmmaking from James Cameron himself as he breaks down some of his game-changing movies and iconic scenes. And there are over 180 instructors teaching classes in 11 different categories, from movies with Martin Scorsese to cooking with Gordon Ramsay. And each class is segmented into clearly labeled lessons that I can consume when I can across multiple platforms in whatever order I choose. I have some travel time ahead of me coming up, and I'm planning to use Neil Gaiman's Masterclass on Storytelling, which is nearly five hours long to help make the time fly by. I highly recommend that you check it out. This holiday, give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and get another one free. Go to masterclass.com slash Merle today. That's masterclass.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L, and terms do apply. Before we go, let's take a look at the streaming charts, what people are watching through various different services at home. And we will start, as we always do, with what people are buying and renting on the iTunes store. At number one is Black Adam, available for purchase and premium video on demand. This is where Warner Brothers is hoping that they can make up some of that money lost in the theatrical window. The Grinch is at number two. This would be Illuminations The Grinch, with Benedict Cumberbatch voicing the Dr. Seuss character. Top Gun Mavericks at number three. Ticket to Paradise is at number four. And you know the holiday season is in full swing because we have a lot of new holiday holiday films in the top 10. Elf is at number five. As I said, a new classic. Russell Crowe's Poker Face, not a holiday film, is at number six. Christmas with the Campbells, a new holiday film starring Brittany Snow and Justin Long is at number seven. The Woman King is at number eight, available for purchase. Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas starring Jim Carrey is at number nine. So the Grinch, a popular holiday figure. And then Bullet Train is at number 10. We're reporting on a big week for Netflix, and it's the week of November 21st through the 27th. That's because we saw one of the biggest debuts 
ever since Netflix started tracking these numbers. And that was for the Netflix original series Wednesday, which had a reported hours watch number of 341.2 million. That translates to a PFV of 52.3, PFV meaning potential finished views. You look at the number of hours watched divided by the length of the program. 52.3 million Netflix users could potentially have finished viewing Wednesday. And this was just in its first three days of release. So we could be looking at some huge numbers for the year on Wednesday. We'll see how it holds up in week two, but a big win for Jenna Ortega and her dancing and everything else that became popular as Wednesday debuted on Netflix. Slumberland, the Netflix original movie, stays at number two with a PFE of 22.7. The Netflix original movie, The Noel Diary, is at number three with a PFE of 21.8, and we're starting to see a lot more holiday programming also on the Netflix top 10. 1899 season one climbs to number four in its second week on the chart with a PFE of 12.1. The Netflix movie, Lesson plan which is a polish action film debuts at number five on the charts with a pfe of 10.3 then the netflix original movie the swimmers with a pfe of 9.9 comes in at number six falling for christmas stays on the chart at number seven with a pfe of 9.7 the wonder stays on at number eight with a pfe of 9.3 christmas with you stays on with a pfe of 9.2 and then new to the chart is the movie christmas on mistletoe farm a netflix original with a pfe of 7.9 so that holiday programming getting even more popular as we get closer and closer to Christmas. Let's move on now to the Nielsen ratings. We are on about a month delay on these. They also don't include all streamers. It's in the U.S. only, and it doesn't include all devices. So this is just a vague idea of what people are watching, but it's the closest that we have to a holistic look at what people are watching across all of the different streaming services simultaneously. When we look at the 10 most watched streaming movies, this was the week of October 31st through November 6th, which saw the debut of Enola Holmes 2, 14.2 million hours watched, according to Nielsen, in the United States. The Good Nurse is at number two. Hotel Transylvania 2, which returned to Netflix, also returns to the chart with 7.6 million hours watched. All Quiet on the Western Front's at number four with 6.5 million hours. Hocus Pocus 2 staying in the top five as the Halloween season wraps up, 4.7 million hours watched. Oblivion, which came to Netflix, debuts on the chart with 4.28 million hours watched, which is good enough to beat the Netflix original movie, The School for Good and Evil, with 4.26 million hours watched. The Takeover takes the number eight spot in its debut on the chart with 4.2 million hours watched, followed by Encanto, a perennial favorite here on the streaming movies chart, 3.8 million hours watched, and Coco, also on Disney Plus at number 10 with 3.6 million hours watched. When we look at the 10 most watched streaming shows, according to Nielsen, for October 31st through November 6th, Manifest, as its new season debuted on Netflix, takes the number one spot with 22.8 million hours watched. Love is Blind is at number two. Inside Man on Netflix is at number three. Its debut brought in 14.8 million hours watched. Coco Melon on Netflix is at number four, followed by Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities at number five. From Scratch at number six. NCI at number seven, The Blacklist at number eight, Gilmore Girls at number nine, and then the Netflix original Killer Sally at number 10 with 11.1 million hours. This was an all Netflix chart. Some shows had finished their seasons that we've seen on this chart like Rings of Power and House of the Dragon, but also we don't see things like Andor here from Disney Plus on the chart this week. And again, this just goes to show you how dominant Netflix is in many respects as far as programming still, particularly here in the United States. I also like to look at something I call watch time per episode. So I look at the number of available episodes and also how long that program was watched. It's not a perfect metric, but again, it kind of equalizes the playing field a 
little bit. And when you look at things based on that metric, Inside Man had the highest number of hours watched per episode, 3.72 million hours watched per available episode. That has four episodes available. Killer Sally was at number two with 3.7 million hours watched per episode, followed by Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities with 1.66 million hours watched. Netflix is from scratch at number four with 1.65 million hours watched per episode. Then The Watcher at number five with 1.5 million. Coco Melon at number six with 798,000, followed by Love is Blind at number seven. Manifest at number eight, Big Mouth at number nine, and The Handmaid's Tale at number 10. And that wraps it up for charts this week. I mentioned that it's a pretty slow week at the box office. That's because the studios decided to just sit this one out. No new wide releases at the box office this weekend. So yeah, it's going to be a great show next week. There are a few movies though that are entering limited release. Empire of Light will probably have the widest of those limited releases. Depending on the strategy, it could expand into over a thousand theaters. This is the latest film from Sam Mendes. The Whale featuring a much buzzed about performance from Brendan Fraser is considered by many to be the Oscar frontrunner for best actor directed by Aaron Aronofsky is also entering limited release. I'm going to have reviews for one or both of those movies on the channel here this week. Doom Patrol Season 4 debuts this Thursday on HBO Max. The animated film Night at the Museum, Common Raw Strikes Again, is on Disney+. Plus. It does not have the original cast returning to voice uh, characters, but it is another extension of that franchise. Emancipation, starring Will Smith and directed by Antoine Fuqua, is debuting on Apple TV Plus this week after a limited theatrical run to qualify it for Oscars. A lot of buzz on this film, and I will also be seeing that one this week. And then a movie that I would likely also be doing a review of is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which I think is a stunningly beautiful stop-motion anime film. It's been playing in limited release. It will be hitting Netflix this weekend. So even though there's not a lot at the theaters to go see, especially if you're not in one of the very special limited markets that gets the award films early, there are a lot of great things to watch on streaming. Thank you so much for watching Charts with Dan. This week, I want to thank my sponsors, Masterclass and Mint Mobile, as well as my partners, Carbon Health. You can find out more about all of them down there in the description below. I will be back later this week with more movie news and reviews. I will be back next week with Box Office as we prepare to see if James Cameron can once again rewrite the record book with Avatar, The Way of Water. I'll also be going to see The Way of Water very soon, and I will have a review of that film not this week, but next week when the review embargo drops. So stay tuned for that. But most of all, thank you for watching the show today. I will be back very soon, but until then, stay safe and I'll see you then. Bye.